All right. How many of you gave up all your credit cards this week? From the laughter, I'm assuming no. How many of you went to the bank and like got out like $100 of cash or something, and so every time you bought something this week, you paid cash? Okay, from that, I get no. All right. Were you all here with me last week? Remember, whenever you pay cash, what does it do? It hurts, right? It hurts. And so I want you to grasp this as we continue this, this idea of strapped and what does it mean to be strapped and to literally be weighed down, right? Because we know that if more than 80% of people are living paycheck to paycheck, then that means that probably in this room, close to 80% are living paycheck to paycheck. And so we're weighed down with financial stress and burdens and all that. And so we're trying to, Jesus came to set us free and to set us free from all things. And the truth is what sets us free. And so as we dig into the truth on this financial stuff, I want the only way that the truth will set you free is if we apply it, correct? We can know the truth and not apply the truth, but if we don't apply it, that it doesn't change us and transform us and bring freedom. And so let's um, be honest. So how many of you in here like to spend money? Hold them high, hold them high. Yeah, your spouses are holding them up for you, some of you. All right, how many of you like to save money? (laughs) <laughs> if you like to save money, hold your hands up because everybody else wants to find you and be your friend so they can give you their money and you can save it for them, okay? It will be painful because it will be cash that they're handing over with their credit cards, but you'll be able to hold it. As we continue this idea of strapped, one of the things that, one of the reasons that we get into the struggles and we dig in deep into the troubles that we get into is because we struggle with this thing called coveting. Coveting. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet. All right. And what does that idea of covet even mean? It means gaining what I want at the expense of others. That's a pretty powerful thing is that I'm gaining something I want. And and if you think, oh, I don't covet. How many of you were ever two to four years old? All right. You put a toy between a couple of kids and what happens? They covet. All right, and somewhere along the way, we think that we've outgrown coveting and we don't. Some of you this week, the Apple thing came out and you began to covet, all right? And whether it was an Apple phone or a Samsung, you began to covet. We have things that we want. All of us, we have these little lists of things that we desire or we think that if we just have that, that will get us to that next phase of completeness or contentment. And what I want us to grasp this morning is that God desires for us to live as if we're wealthy because we are wealthy in Him, all right, and that there's no need to covet other things that we don't necessarily need that don't add value and purpose and meaning to our life. Matter of fact, a lot of the things that we desire and want and bring into our life actually take away value and meaning because we're so consumed by those things. And so what does it look like for us to not be strapped down by the things that we covet? Because when we covet things, we're really saying, hey, listen, this item or these things or this amount of money will bring security and worth to my life. And listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have security, you have value, you have worth, and you have purpose already, okay? And so for us, what does it mean for us to dig down into this idea of coveting? How many of you love Christmas? How many of you are already playing Christmas music? A couple of you, all right? Y'all are sneaking it in the playlist already. Because there's something about Christmas. There's this whole spirit of it and all that. And so there's a tendency for people to be more generous. People give more money at Christmas. And 
and all that kind of thing. But also one of the things that happens at Christmas is coveting ramps up, doesn't it? We always see the news stories of people like just going gangbusters. The stores open on Black Friday and people are running in, crushing each other to get that TV or to get that whatever. This started kind of happening. We kind of started seeing this movement big time happen in the mid-80s when some of you were kids and I was like a way low kid. But in the mid-80s, I was young, 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 being thought about. And one of the first things that people began to covet in the mid-80s at Christmas was a toy. Y'all remember the first toy that kids, people just went gangbusters over? Y'all remember what it is? Cabbage Patch Kids. That's right. How many of you still have your Cabbage Patch Kid? Y'all held those hands high. You know. You know you got them. All right. My mom still has mine. She keeps trying to give it back to me every time. And I'm like, no, mom, the kids are here. Don't let them know I had one of those things. All right. Cabbage Patch Kids. And so you get the whole certificate. And so, I mean, people were like literally hurting people over this thing. And so it's like from that, all of a sudden on, there's this spirit of coveting and I've got to have it or my kids need it. And if you've grown up kind of this American idea of I want my kids to have better than I did, right? So you're, some of you, your grandparents or your great grandparents went to, lived in an outhouse or didn't live in an outhouse, but at an outhouse, hopefully they didn't live in an outhouse. But they went to the outhouse, they bathed maybe once a week, and they didn't have running water, they didn't have electricity. And so you see this movement, and there was this American ideal of we want better for our kids, we want better for our family. And, and that so many times that ties into finances, but I want us to really grasp this idea of what does that really mean, too, for us, that what do we want better for our kids? What are we really saying? Is it just finances? What are we wanting? And I think for most of us, it's partly maybe we want our kids to feel comfortable and feel secure, but we want more for them to have a home of peace. We want them to have a home that's loving. We want to have a home that's lifting up Christ, and it's a place where we can do life, and that it's not a, a place of, of, of harm and of hurt, but all that, so all those different things. So what's the next thing that, after the Cabbage Patch Kid, that began to become popular? The very next thing that we'll see, some of you still have them, is your Game Boys. I think this was the first time people began to walk like this. Okay, they were attached to it. They were doing that whole thing. Game Boys, and then it kind of went from that to the Nintendo with the next year. And then after that, there was Barney. All right, how many of y'all love Barney? I love you, you love me. Right, y'all got that? Got your little Barney until Barney said inappropriate words, and then we didn't love Barney anymore. Gosh. No perfect people allowed anywhere except for Barney's house. And then Beanie Babies. You can still even go out to like Round Top or the antique places or whatever, these flea markets and stuff, and there's Beanie Babies everywhere. They're still still around and having those, so you can get those things. Um, then also Tickle Me Elmo. Y'all remember that? People were beating each other up over a little thing that's going to go, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's Elmo, whatever. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the thing, people are beating people up over Elmo. It's crazy. Thank you. Furbies, those things are ugly. It's like, let me make something ugly and charge you 50 bucks for it, and I'll get, I'll get rich, and you get a little nasty thing you're going to throw away. And then this thing here, what is that? Zuzu pets, yeah. Zuzu pets. Y'all remember the Tamagotchi things, the little pets that you had to feed all that stuff? I mean, this is crazy. The things that we consume, and, and guess what? Probably the thing that was most important, more important than the toy, was the box. Because the kids play with the boxes more than they even play with the toys sometimes. So there's things that we covet and that we pursue. 
we're always after something more in this pursuit. And, and then we look back and we realize, hey, and at Christmas time in the new year, we look at our credit card bills and we're like, why did I go crazy over this? What was I pursuing? What was I trying to accomplish in this? And so, again, this morning, I want us to dig down into this, deep into this idea. What does it mean to have enough? What does it mean to be content? Whenever Paul talks about the idea of being content, he uses this idea of content, and he says it's basically it's an inner peace that's sufficient for us that no matter what is happening around us, that we have an inner peace. And interestingly enough, Paul, whenever he talks about being content, and he also talks about joy in the same way, that we can have contentment and we can have joy amidst our circumstances and inner peace, no matter what our circumstances are happening around us, we can have that because our foundation is, our purpose is, our meaning is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that we get consumed by all these other things and in consuming those things, thinking that they're going to bring us worth and value is whenever we, we kind of go after it, we get it, and you finally get that thing that you think you need, and you get it, and you're like, oh, like 30 minutes later or 30 days later, you're like, okay, it just kind of goes on the shelf and it goes with the next thing. Then you begin to pursue what's the next thing that I need that's going to bring me purpose and meaning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. And here Paul is talking to the young pastor, Timothy, and he's talking about greed. And in the context here, he's actually talking about watch out for people that are greedy people, and in particular, greedy pastors. That you can have a greedy pastor that can stand up and preach, and he can preach in such a way that he can convince you, he can motivate you that you want blessings from God and you can get blessings from God. And if you give him more stuff, that you'll get stuff. And um, so that's kind of the context there. But then he kind of digs a little bit deeper on what is he talking about contentment. And um, the very first truth that I want you to get is that wealth does not bring contentment. Financial wealth does not bring contentment. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, he says it this way. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Or in some of your versions, it'll say great wealth. In other words, godliness is the thing that brings us wealth. And so when we understand what godliness is, and as we build our life upon that foundation in Christ, then we find contentment in that because our contentment is in Him, not the things that we're pursuing. As a matter of fact, Paul says it in Philippians chapter 4. He's under great stress, and he's talking to the church. And he even says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this, that, that I need more money, because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, I've lived with plenty, and I've lived being in want. And I've learned that in the midst of that, I've understood what it means to be content, to not crave those things, to not have a motive for craving more. I've understood that it means to be content and that I've found contentment in my relationship with Christ and that He is sufficient for me. And so that in those moments, whenever you see that thing that just like, oh, if I just had that, that Paul's saying, listen, pull back and begin to ask, what's the motive? What's the true need? What's the reason? What are you seeking? Are you seeking security? And to kind of begin to, to look at our heart motives in that moment. So the first thing is that financial wealth doesn't bring contentment. The second thing is that wealth does not last. Look at verse 7. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. 
In other words, you can't hook a U-Haul up to the hearse and take it with you because you're not going to get to play with the toys. The toys that you bought are staying here, and other people are going to get to play with them. Job says it this way. He's a little bit more intense. He's kind of right at it. Beginning of Job's story, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. That's pretty visual, isn't it? So when you're going out, all those toys, all those things that brought security, meaning and purpose, you're not taking them with you anyway. So rethink, where does the wealth come? What is the purpose of wealth? Your wealth will not last. The next thing that Paul talks about is ask the question, are our basic needs being met? Basically he's saying, how much is enough? In verse 7, in verse 8. But if we had food and clothing, clothing, we will be content with that. In other words, how much is enough? How much money do we need? So let's just give you this illustration. Let's say that you're making $40,000 a year, and your boss comes to you and says, hey, listen, you're, you're making $40,000 a year. You've been very important to the company. We love what you're doing. It's great. You're awesome. And now we're making more money, and because we're making more money, I want to share with you, and I'm going to give you a raise, and you're going to get to $50,000 a year. And you're like, yeah, awesome. And most of us, our natural inclination is, Man, I can buy this, and I can get this, and I can do this, right? That's our, that's the first thing we begin to think. I've got more money, therefore now I can get. And again, that's that spirit of coveting, that's that spirit of seeking after security, that's again, that's that image of, hey, I want people to think this of me, and, and all that stuff that we begin. And, and what we're trying to grasp is to ask the question of, okay, let's say that you are making $40,000, and you've Obviously, you've been making it, you're paying your bills, everything's kind of cool, and your kids are in braces, and you're able to pay for those things, or however that, all that stuff is going on. Life is happening, and then all of a sudden, you get this raise, and to ask the question of ourselves, God, thank you, number one, and then, God, what do you want me to do with this? God, why did you give me this raise? God, what do you want me to do with this money? God, what, what is the next thing that you want me to be a part of? Because, again, what we're talking about here is that as followers of Jesus, we're, we're looking at our finances in a different way, and he's redeeming our finances, and our finances aren't just for us, but for the, for the kingdom. And so that maybe the reason that you're getting this paycheck is because you're working hard and you're doing all these things, and he's blessing you. And, yes, you want to receive those blessings, but then also asking the question of, God, you're blessing me. How do you want me to be a blessing to other people? Again, this idea of as we receive, we have a tendency to receive and do this, and to hold tight to, to say, listen, this is my pay raise, this is my money, this is my stuff, where God's saying, listen, I want to pass on to you so that you can, in return, pass on to other people. Wealth doesn't last. You're going to not take it with you. Opportunity for us to be generous and to look at how God can move and motivate our hearts in those moments when we have extra. Instead of saying, man, I have a 55-inch TV, but a 70-inch TV will make the Cowboys play better, right? And so something's going to change. And so you begin to get to that point, and you're like, listen, how big a TV is big enough? How many of this is enough? And just pursuing that, begin asking the question, what's my motivation? What's my heart motivation for pursuing all these things? Again, contentment is an inner peace that Christ is sufficient and enough for me. The fourth thing that I want you to grasp is that there's a craving of wealth leads to destruction. Literally a heart movement, a heart craving for wealth leads to destruction. In verses 9 and 10, Paul says it, says it in a creative, actually a powerful images that he gives us here. And he says, those who want to get rich, that desire and crave to get rich, 
Alright, again, their heart motive is whatever, where your treasure is when you're pursuing something, you kind of get blinders and you're moving in this direction. And so you're, everything else kind of goes by the wayside. And so those who crave and want and desire to get rich fall into temptation. They fall into a trap. And they do foolish and harmful things. Those desires then also show their ways that they literally, they plunge people into ruin and destruction. So three images that Paul gives us here in this passage, and the first one is one of temptation. It's this idea of fishing. Any of you have ever been fishing, and you go fishing, and you throw the rod out there, and what's on the end of the of the line? Bait, lure, temptation. Right? We're tempting the fish. And so really good fishermen, what do they do? They know exactly what bait they need and the temperature of the water. They know the little flow of the water. They know where they need to go because they're hunting for a certain type of fish. And so when they're casting, good fishermen are well studied. And they know exactly what they're looking for and all those different things are happening. And so they're leading that there because they want to catch that fish. They know that there's the prime situation and circumstances to catch that one fish that they're looking for. And so they're casting out and they're hoping with all hope that they've got it and everything's right. And if it doesn't, after a few, few times, if they don't get it, then they change and try to find another bait. They're, they're tempting the fish. And so what Paul is saying to us is of a heart motive is that we pursue and we think that getting after and pursuing wealth is going to bring us something that we don't have. And so we pursue it, and so the enemy of us has set the trap. He's put the lure out, and we go by it time after time after time, and he's waiting for just the right conditions where we'll just sink into it and take a bite, and then all of a sudden, what's a good fisherman do when they get a nibble? They sink the hook in, you get hooked, and they reel you in. And that entire time, have you ever been there? You've given the caught, the lure's there, and it's sunk, and you're reeling it in. You're like, no, 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 I thought it was going to be different than before. I thought this was going to be completely, I thought this was going to bring contentment. And you realize that it doesn't. As a matter of fact, all it does is you realize that your credit card bill is going to be a little bit higher, and you realize that you can't afford it, and it's going to cost you 18.5% interest. And so that $100 thing that you thought was going to bring contentment is now going to cost you $350 or whatever it is. He also uses the idea of not only a fisherman, but also one of a trap, and an animal, we put things in a trap to catch animals. And so, again, you use something that entices them and draws them in. And before they know it, they're caught in the trap and there's no way to get out. And that that, that is harmful and it, it leads to ruin. And as a matter of fact, one of the last things he says is that it literally that people will stand on the edge of the water. And they will look and they will know that it hasn't ever happened before. It's not ever worked out like they thought it would work before. And they're looking at it and they're going, listen, maybe this time, if I just jump differently, if I jump a little bit further, if I jump in a different way, if I jump into this thing that I've tried before, maybe it will bring different results. And so they jump in and begin to drown because they don't have the proper attire. They don't have the proper skills. They're not ready to jump into that water. And Paul is saying that, listen, so many of us in the pursuit of riches, we jump into stuff that we don't completely understand. And then we're drowning and there's no one around that can hear us. Some of us feel this way, don't we? You've been caught by the trap. You've been lured in. You've been caught in the trap and you're, you're, you're in harm and you don't understand how you got in there and then you begin to look and you're, you're caught and you can't get out or even to the place that some of us are drowning in debt. And we feel like there's no way out other than to just drown and to give up. How much is enough? What does it mean to be content? 
that, listen, I know that you want freedom in all of the areas of your life. And this is one of the areas in the church and in the community that most of us, we look at each other and we don't want to be honest in these areas. And it's the area that the, one of the ways that you can find freedom is to be honest. And to find someone, to find a friend that is good in this and say, listen, I need your help. Because most of us in this room, our basic needs are met regularly. And if your basic needs are not being met on a regular basis, please see me this week. Okay? Be honest. But if your basic needs are being met, the question is, how much is enough? And what am I pursuing with my finances? Because, again, I believe that most of us want to be generous even more generous than we can even begin to fathom what we can even begin to think about. But our, our finances are not available to be generous because they're tied up to other things that we thought were going to bring us purpose and meaning and value. And we realize all it was was a lure that trapped us and ensnared us even to the point of drowning. Freedom can be found even in your finances. Let's pursue contentment. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I thank you so much that you've come so that we might have freedom and victory in all areas of our life. And Lord, you know that so many in this room need freedom in this area. And Father, that even the weight of this message has even kept people away from church today because they knew we were talking about finances and they just didn't want to deal with it. And so, Lord, I just pray that in this room, that though we're here, Father, may we take an honest evaluation of where we're at, look at our past, look at our present, and look at our future, and know that our future can be different if we deal with our present. Father, you are a God that brings freedom and transformation, that the truth will set us free. May we hear truth, and may we deal with the truth in our finances, and may we find freedom in that this week and in the coming days and coming months and coming years that it's going to take us to find freedom in this area. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thinking about the Christmas season, the story of the Scrooge is one that we know well, the Christmas carol. And Scrooge had a, the ghost that showed up, the ghost of his past, the ghost of the present, and the ghost of the future. And us as well have an opportunity. You know your past, you know your struggles and your finances, and here we are dealing with it and looking at it in the present and thinking about, listen, Just as Scrooge had an opportunity to have a changed future, we as well have an opportunity to have a changed future as well. So as we deal with the present and are honest with it, think about, hey, tomorrow, if I stop digging, if I start looking with a heart of contentment that God will provide daily, I will have a new opportunity and a new future ahead of me.